0: I Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, episode 154. I actually looked it up this time, so I would be prepared and I wouldn't give a random number that was not the number of the episode. So I am prepared today. And today I'm just joined by Ryan. However, we are doing things a little bit different. We recorded the second half of our episode first because uh, Amanda had to uh, bounce a little early. So we wanted to do our draft first because that's obviously the meat of the episode and that's the, the... The part where we get really into it, and obviously uh, that's where our Twitter result, our Twitter vote will come from. So thought we should do that first, and then Ryan and I are going to clean up the another masterful tank job by the Nats over the week uh, as they drop two of three from the Marlins in that series. Um, But like I said, I am joined by Ryan. He's always here when you need him. He's always there when you don't want him. Ryan, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well. The thriving, not surviving continues on. Um, I got my haircut and I like my barber like was giving me a word of advice as he finished. She was like, All right, he goes, remember, eat good, look good, get your hair cut often. I was like, you know
1: what? It sounds like a Julie Chen Moonbez sign-off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll give you a couple extra dollars in your tip now because that made me laugh. So, yeah, uh, listen to your barber. Eat good, live good, get your hair cut off then. I was, I was sitting in my car driving home. I just laughed at that again. I was like, no, that wasn't what I was expecting when I, my haircut finished. <laughs> uh, it's
1: like, <laughs> all right, I need a new
0: barber. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not my normal one. My normal one always calls me handsome when she finishes and it makes me feel so good. So now I got like life advice. Don't you love when people call you handsome when you finish? Oh, it's so crazy. <laughs> um. She finishes my haircut. She's like, all right, handsome. And then, like, you know, dust the hair off. It's great. It's, it's
1: oh, man. I'm glad we recorded the second half of the episode first. Oh, man. Well, I mean, how's the haircut? That's what really matters here. Like, are, are we... Oh. Are we only going crisp. back? Oh, crisp. crisp. Okay, good, good. Yeah. It's always a risk when you go to a new barber and y- you don't really know, but you also don't want to reschedule because you're already looking a little shaggy. And, uh, you know, we have a homey date tonight. So, like, obviously, you got to look do. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I respect respect your your commitment to, to your craft and to, to your drip that <laughs> you're looking good. Um, but a lot of teams are not looking good right now well some teams are some teams are and that's where we get the wild card race uh today's quick pitch we're just gonna recap the wild card race because quite honestly uh the cardinals came out of nowhere and that's just one of the i'm the so many, mad we didn't many, see it coming yeah the, it's one of the many storylines <laughs> like it, it just seems like yeah it, it, it's uh something we should have saw coming and it's also not that surprising i, I think that's kind of what People, the general consensus is like the Cardinals have that experience. Uh, I think over the Yankees just clinched the, what they're like 29th winning season in a row. The the Cardinals are up there too. Like they rarely ever suck and they, they're obviously not as good as they happened in years past this year, but to assume that they were just going to completely roll over and die is a little bit of, of foolery on our part. Um, so obviously they've taken the NL, Uh, second spot in the NL wild card. Uh, The Dodgers still have the first spot as you know, they are at 94 wins in, in a wild card spot, which is unreal, but you still have the Padres half a game behind reds game behind Phillies, two and a half behind Mets, even five behind, even though they are below 500. So it is still wide open. The AL wild card is a little bit closer as far as like, uh, or what teams are still involved Toronto's still hanging on to that top spot Boston right there as well and then the Yankees half a game behind the Red Sox A's three games back um Mariners four games back but I don't think either of those teams catch up so if we just had to put our predictions down what do you think the wild card matchup is going to be obviously the nl one's going to either be in San Fran or LA but who do you think is the
0: wildcard teams and where do you think the wild card game is played? So I'm starting in the NL. Um, when I, when the Nats are making the playoffs, I kind of just root for the team with like the rowdiest fans and whoever's going to like have the most entertaining home games to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will relate more to the AL teams. So there is a pivotal, pivotal playoff implication series tonight. The Padres head the St. Louis for a three game series, Cardinals have the second spot Padres are half a game back the Padres are starting Vince Velasquez and Jake Arrieta things are not doing well I really want the Padres to get that second spot but I think their pitching just isn't enough I was very surprised they did not address their pitching Um, you Darvish who I really really enjoy watching pitch has not been the same I thought they acquired Max Scherzer that's right. The sources, they <laughs> are close to Max Scherzer. Do you think they're mad about that, by the way? Just Max has become like a god for the Dodgers. and I mean, they have to be.
1: Like, even if they, I, I don't interact with many Padres fans, but even if they try to claim like they, they didn't want Max or whatever, like it, it's just so in their face now because like you said, he's dominating, but also because he's on the Dodgers and, like, the Padres and Dodgers were back and forth all season long, and now the Dodgers are at 94 wins and the Padres are, what, like, 76. So even if the Dodgers lost out and the Padres
0: won out, like, they still wouldn't catch them. They have to be upset. I mean, it's just – that's tough. I I really want them to get the 2nd wild ball-card spot. They're good for baseball. Obviously, they have Tatis, like, that is good for baseball if Tatis is playing games on the national stage. But I think the Cardinals get that second spot, which irritates me. Um, Dodgers are currently only one game back. I think the Dodgers won the NLS. So I think we'll have a San Francisco, St. Louis, two very storied franchise that kind right. of dominated the early 2000s and 2010s going at it in um what's their what's their stadium called now it's oracle in oracle. oracle the american league one is fascinating um you have the, the quote heavyweights the last 20 years the red sox and the yankees and then the exciting up-and-coming blue jays who their lineup is bumping on all chords. their pitching rotation is doing well robbie ray might win the cy young out of nowhere they currently have it uh just because they have one less loss in the red sox because they played one last game um I think they hold on to it. I, I really think the Blue Jays hold on to it and host the wild card game. I really wanted a Yankee stadium Red Sox Walker game just because that would have been absurdly hostile, mm-hmm. but Roger centers no stranger to being hostile crowd. I should say, <laughs> um, but I think the Yankees get the second wildcard card spot. The Red Sox have a lot of issues with their pitching staff. So do the Yankees, but at the end of the day, the Yankees have Garrett Cole.
1: Yeah. So wait, so what was your final prediction? It's Red Sox and Blue Jays?
0: No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Toronto,
1: Yankees, and Toronto. Okay. All right. So you have the Red Sox missing. Um, man, yeah. So for NL, I I've, we talked about on the show, like the, the ideal matchup is Padres in, uh, in LA against the Dodgers and then Red Sox in New York against the Yankees or even vice versa. Like you can kind of t- flip those if you want, especially with how close they are in the standings but it's, it's impossible to root against Toronto. Like I don't, I'd much rather see the Yankees fall out of it than I would rather than I would see the blue Jays fall out of it. So now that the blue Jays are in it, they've kind of closed the gap and so much so that they're in the, the quote unquote lead right now, even though it's pretty much spitting distance with each other. I want the blue Jays to hold on. Um, I think it's funnier if the Yankees fall out of it than if the red Sox do. So I'm going to say red Sox in Toronto, Still a divisional matchup. Roger center is gonna be bumping. People forget Toronto is really close to Buffalo. So all of like the crazy Bills mafia people and, and whatnot, like that kind of carries over Toronto and vice versa. So Toronto, Roger Center, if you don't remember like the mid 2010s with Joey Bat flips
0: and kind of those playoff runs. Remember they Uh, had to call the police on the field to calm the place down because fans running on the field and throwing stuff on the field after his home run? (laughs)
1: Absurd.
0: Absurd. So I'm
1: here for it. Obviously, we get fans back in the stands for this year's playoffs, like a full capacity or at least uh, a majority of the stadium, as opposed to last year when we had like five, 10,000 fans at most, if at all. For for the playoffs, I think we only got fans back for the championship or wild card series, so we didn't even have it for the wild card games. And obviously, that's a game seven environment. Ryan knows this well; he was there uh, for the 2019 wild card game. So, putting a packed Rogers Center for a Toronto home playoff game—I mean, that's going to be electric, no matter who they're playing. And again, I think the Yankees falling out of it would be very funny for baseball. Um, so, that's my prediction for the AL for the NL. Uh, I keep saying like the Dodgers are going to win the division, but it, like the Giants just aren't giving them any openings. Like they're not running away from it because they can't because the Dodgers are, are just that good, but they're not giving them any opportunity, any openings to, to really, um, you know, for the Dodgers to take back the division. Like when they play head to head, I think the Giants are up nine, uh, eight on the season series. So it's literally even. So I think that the Giants hold on. Uh, pending like obviously a, a crazy collapse here, but I think the Giants hold on, which means the wildcard game is in LA. Um, And that really, really makes you want to pick the Padres, but I just don't know if the Padres can get there. So, yeah, I, I think I'm just going to go. I'm going to have to go with the hot hand, so to speak, the, the team that's playing the best right now. That's obviously the Cardinals. It's not exciting. I want the Padres Uh, in the wildcard game, but I also just want Tatis on that stage. He would be the biggest star of any of the four teams. So the uh, Cardinals, Padres, Reds, and Phillies, he would be the biggest star uh, of those four teams. So that's who I would want, but I think the the Cardinals get it. So I'm going to say Cardinals at Dodgers and Red Sox at Toronto, which is still pretty, two pretty good matchups. I mean, even Brewers Nats, which have no like rivalry whatsoever uh, that, was a pretty good wild card matchup so game seven environment always leads to good stuff but speaking of good stuff ryan brings it every single episode you know what's coming but we don't because ryan enlightens us ryan's going to give us our weekend review what's going on
0: yes it is another mid-week we can review as we are entering mid to late september the average cost of attending a baseball game increased in 2021 over the previous years this is no surprise as teams try to make up money lost during the pandemic prices are up by four percent across the league however what they were expected to be in 2020 the cost of a family of four to attend a game is on average 238 dollars that's a lot of money the american league cy young race looks like it'll be between robbie ray and garrett cole if robbie ray wins he'll be the fifth pitcher from the 2014 tires to win a cy young absurd corbin burns leads all qualified nl pitchers in strikeouts and walks per nine innings the only other al or nl pitcher to lead their league in both of those was walter johnson all the way back in 1913 we are seeing a pitcher and a position player both in the hunt for the triple crown and there's a very real chance that neither of them win cy young or MVP. Cubs are the first team as far back as baseball reference tracks baseball to blow multiple games when leading by five or more runs and lose them by seven or more. The Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Yankees are all essentially tied for a wild card spot. As we just mentioned, the Red Sox have nine games left with the Orioles and the Nats, and the Yankees play 12 of their 15 remaining games against teams above above 500. My team, I did predict two make the wild card game bad news for them the blue jay schedule is rather easy as well the cardinals as we all should have seen coming are now in the second spot for the wild card national league san diego is just half a game behind and the reds fall to a game back uh, tatis is single-handedly trying to carry the padres offense to get them back in the spot to the nl east and fifth place are the 60 and 86 nats more on them in the second. And fourth place are the 62 and 84 Marlins. They took two, or three from the Nats, and they have the Pirates up next in another tankathon match. And third place are the 72 and 55. Their playoff hope Mets, excuse me, their playoff hopes essentially took a massive blow as they got swept by the Cardinals. Mets are looking for front office stability in the offseason wonder why and they are rumored to be interested in bringing billy bean to the front office and second place are the 74 and 72 Phillies. they lost two of three from the cubs but they have the mets and the o's next and due to the braves inability to win games the Phillies are only three games back somehow bryce harper had his mvp game in a big come from behind victory against the cubs his ops is now up to 1.058 In first place are the 76 and 68 Braves. A bad home trip leaves them stuck in the divisional race they should have put away by now as they got swept by the Rockies. And now, sucks for them. They have to go out West to face the Giants in a massive three-game series. This has been your week in review. Make sure you guys head on over to T Public and search Half Street High Heat and keep up with all of our latest designs, swag, and all of the gear that we are publishing new designs for weekly. This has been your week in review.
1: Do you think um, Tatis is going to – if the, the Padres and Phillies don't make the postseason, and that obviously includes wildcard game, so you kind of are in an even playing field there. Uh, Harper has played more games than Tatis. Tatis has definitely had the bigger moments, uh, so to speak, or at least it's been more publicized. Obviously, he's kind of the face of baseball now, um, and des- deservedly so, by the way. Uh,
0: is who who's your favorite for MVP right now? Is what I'm trying to ask. So as of right now, um, where everything stands, Bryce Harper is the favorite. Um, he leads the league in OPS plus. Sorry, WRC plus OPS. Um, and he's also second or third. He's third now. Excuse me. He's up to third in the batting title. He's hitting 314 of the year. He's tied with Juan Soto, and I think Trey Turner leads. Imagine Imagine if they were on the (laughs) same team. Max Muncie has kind of fallen out of it. He's not playing very well over his last 30 games. Nonetheless, his last seven games, Tatis is in second. If the Padres make the playoffs, Tatis will win the NL MVP. If both miss the playoffs, Bryce wins very easily, I believe. With Tatis coming in second, I think Juan Soda gets third. But yeah, right now, Bryce Harper is the favorite. If both miss, Bryce Padres make it they'll give it to Tatis because the playoff contribution that all the riders weigh in MVP because that's kind of what the Hank Aaron award is for it's for the really really good guys who would have won MVP if they're on you know, <laughs> right. better better teams best hitters
1: um, so to speak yeah
0: like Juan Soto's probably gonna get the Hank Aaron award this year but no pod no playoff factors Bryce wins it easily
1: yeah and I mean th- that's gonna come down to the wire um It's crazy. I mean, Bryce's only real MVP season was the year he won, obviously, Um, like he never top three, never top five, never top 10 otherwise. And I think that's where people try to argue, oh, well, he wasn't worth it, wasn't worth it. But then he does this (laughs) and it's kind of just like, well, we told you. And in what was it, 2017, he, he was phenomenal until freaking slipped on first base. And that's really what what did him in because he was uh, who won twenty or the MVP in twenty eighteen was that Yelich. Eighteen was Yelich. So oh, Yelich had the absurd like Barry Bonds like run. So I can't. Yeah, say... eighteen
0: was Yelich. Nineteen was Ballinger.
1: Yeah. So I can't say like Harper definitely would have won, but he absolutely was on pace. Like uh, so, twenty eighteen, he was. Uh, oh wait, no, twenty seventeen. Sorry, twenty. 2017 is the year he slept all right i'm mixing my my dates here but anyways point being this is what bryce harper was capable of he always has been we knew he would get back there eventually it's crazy to see what he's doing basically by himself because even someone like jt world muto who was the best catcher in baseball maybe still is but was the best catcher in baseball uh, not only because of his defense but because of uh, how much he provided offensively compared to everyone else. Like, he's not really doing anything. Reed Toskin's out for the year. Uh, McCutcheon, who is another big freedom signing, he's kind of just fallen off from what he used to be. The uh, list goes on and on. It's basically just Harper offensively, and somehow the Phillies are still in it. Mainly because no one else wants to run away with it, but in it nonetheless. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think it's probably Harper right now. Um, but agreed, if the Padres do make – the postseason, it will swing back into Tatis's favor. Uh, but moving on to the Nats, one thing we, we've we talked about, and we've definitely mentioned it, that we're embracing the tank plenty, but what does that mean? People just assume we're rooting for the Nats to suck for just the sake of the Nats sucking, just because uh, they, they know Shaq's brand and the pessimism and uh, pessimism realism aspect to Shaq, but the Nats currently have the fifth pick in the uh, draft order for 2022, which not no small feat. Uh, That's obviously going to hopefully lead them to a top prospect, especially if any of the top four go under slot, which basically means they reach on a player who uh, they can get for a little bit cheaper. And we all know these teams are cheap. The top four right now, Baltimore, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Texas, All very cheap franchises. The Orioles went under slot this year. The the Diamondbacks sort of went over slot this year because they had a guy fall to them. So they may be a candidate to go under slot next year. Pittsburgh is probably the cheapest organization in baseball, and they don't really get talked about a lot for that fact. They're always a candidate to go under slot. They went under slot this year. Uh, They could have had one of the young shortstops at the number one pick. They chose the catcher to Louisville, which not necessarily a bad pick, but again, under slot. And then Texas, they had Jack Leiter and someone else, I believe. So they've gone uh, big in their draft as well. So the Nats could end up with a very top, top prospect. Should things stand the way they are? Um, and they did themselves sort of a favor in that regard because currently they are two games below Miami in the standing. So if you're doing the, the reverse order, they are two games ahead of Miami for the fifth pick. So that's where they currently have it. They dropped two of three to Miami this week. So that helps that fact. Nats just love losing two of three, which is kind of like the the perfect. It's their brand. Right. It's the, It's the perfect medium. Uh, or middle ground, I should say, like they're not getting swept. So fans won't get too mad at them, but they're still dropping series and dropping games, especially when they're, like I said, they're playing against the Marlins who they're kind of fighting for a top pick for. Uh, So it's literally like, okay, we don't completely suck. We, we really suck, but we don't completely (laughs) suck. And, you know, we still get the end result. Guys are getting good experience and whatnot. Um, What were your kind of overall takeaways from the series i know it's kind of like the same thing over and over again but was there anything that really stood out to you about the series
0: yeah so the Nats, um they have not won a series since they two games swept the blue jays in the beginning of august they have not won a three game series since they won two three against the cubs around the deadline so the Nats are kind of all in <laughs> on this tank and some would of- say they're embracing it they're full blown embracing it. They're running away with the tank, like they're literally <laughs> driving <laughs> they, off into. They're the They're picking
1: up the tank
0: and <laughs> running with it. <laughs> um, but one of the biggest reasons, and probably the largest contributor to it, is the bullpen. And mm-hmm. I love stats, so I was I was looking at some stats, and this is just in the second half alone. Mind you, these stats I'm telling you are just the second half alone. Okay, I, I know it's one. Of, I I know it's one of the worst. But go ahead. I'm so excited. their bullpen in the second half has 20 losses. That is worse than baseball. The second worst has 14 losses. Um, they have 4.6 walks per nine. That is the worst in base. Uh, the worst in the second half. Um, They also, (laughs) uh, they give up 1.84 home runs per nine inning. That is the worst in the second half. Their ERA is a 6.22, second worst. That is the second worst behind the Orioles. Their FIP, Fielding Independent Pitching, is 5.80. That is the worst in baseball and their war is negative 1.7 in the second half that is the worst in baseball the next closest war is negative (laughs) 0.8 by the Pittsburgh Pirates it's Uh. it's not even close (laughs) across the board um it's 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 bad, folks, and their their left-on-base percentage is just 62%. That's the second worst in baseball in the second half behind the Orioles, who lost 20 games in a row. Um, yeah, like the, the Dodgers lead baseball with their bullpen in the second half with left-on-base percentage at 80%. That's 62 percent so they're allowing 38 percent of the runners to score that are on base when they enter it's bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah like we keep
1: laughing but if you can't laugh like you're not going (laughs) you're just miserable (laughs) like we don't want to be miserable so we're just but then like it's just it's commendable what they're doing you know and then you're like well
0: maybe they're pitching too much you know (laughs) <laughs> no they well, well they are the, they are
1: pitching too much but it's not overused.
0: And in, in the second half they've thrown 205 innings right that's the 10th least in baseball so like they've had some issues with the starting rotation not going deep in the games they're not one of those teams really like the the giants bullpen has 251 innings in the second half alone um i had to to double check that i couldn't believe that was for the second half yeah um but yeah it's it's bad folks like it's (laughs) that is really impressive (laughs) all
1: you can do is laugh like it's just what what are you gonna do i mean it's not not gonna it's not gonna change obviously we're a month and a half since the deadline like this is I'm not going to say this is who they are because I think some of these players will kind of develop more. But when you have and no, no disrespect meant here, but when you have nobody's pitching high leverage situations, what do you expect? Yes. So it's just like you, you have to accept it, even if you didn't want to sell at the deadline, which we're way past. But if you didn't want that, you have to readjust for what's happening now. You can't just expect, you know, Mason Thompson to be Daniel Hudson, and oh, well, I was gonna say be, uh, like Baldonado to be Brad Hand, but Baldonado kind of is Brad Hand <laughs> with how bad Brad Hand's been. Um, but like, you you can't just expect these these guys to to step in and be elite. If they were really that elite, they would have been in the bullpen in the first place, and we probably wouldn't have sold at the deadline. But this is who they are. Like, it's not about performance right now it's it's about the development and these guys while I'm sure it's not fun to suck and to lose all these games and to constantly drop series they're getting valuable reps and that's what the Nats ownership and front office and coaching staff made a um, concerted organizational mindset to have that listen, you know, we're not playing for a world series in 2021 anymore. Like we are playing for the future and getting these guys important um, developmental time. So that way they can get better, but also we can get a, a better read on their ability. Like they sent Victor Robles down. If they were trying to compete, you would think they would have Victor Robles up and, and that we've talked about that, but that's just, goes to my point. Like they're not, they know they're not going to win. And, and that was the point of selling at the deadline. So if they're not trying to win, like for the, the people that are still so upset with the Nats, like, why are you expecting that we're going to win? Because <laughs> we're not. <laughs> and it, all we can do is laugh because it's just like, this is so new and so un not unheard of, but unexpected uh, from where we began the season. It's just like, enjoy it for, for what it is. Like it's, just crazy what can happen when you don't have established guys. And it also makes you appreciate what we have when we have it a little bit more, which is why everyone's like so upset that Trey Turner is getting recognition now. Like they'd never really truly appreciated Trey Turner. They kind of just expected him to be like this godsend to save the team from selling, which everyone knows no matter how good you are in baseball, you can't do it alone. Like, Freaking Mike Trout might very well be the greatest baseball player of all time, and he's only made the playoffs once in his whole career. He's played ten or eleven years now. It's just the way it goes, and it, it, it's going for the Nats. It certainly is. Um, but we, we have we got good starting pitching, so it's like at least there's something to not entirely be miserable about. Uh, Espino had another masterclass, uh, which in Palo Espino terms is you know 5 to 6 innings with with one run and it doesn't really matter what else happens but he went 6 innings 6 hits one run three walks 6 K so not a bad not a bad outing at all Nats still lost game they're getting no hit <laughs> until like the 8 but you know that, that, that's besides the point next next game Eric Fetty had a rare good outing which is 5 innings 3 hits one run no walks 8 strikeouts so that was very rare good to see that was the one win of the series Mainly because we that was the game we put up eight runs. And then Josh Rogers came out of nowhere. Don't even know who he is, really. Five innings, one run, or excuse me, one hit, no runs, no walks, six strikeouts. So it's like the, there is, I'm not going to say hope, but like something to be like, all right. now that wasn't entirely miserable. But then you get to the bullpen and like we talked about, it, it is miserable. But like, what did you think of these? starting pitchers in their performances i mean i don't think any of them are locks to be uh pieces for the future but certainly like i said it wasn't entirely miserable,
0: miserable to watch i mean espino we talked about like he's a he's a type of guy that every team would love he can go out there and he can get you five or six innings when you. he's really like need a, it. use Maro Petit for exactly those who remember him Like he can come out of the bullpen, get a couple innings if your starter can't go long. If you need to have a bullpen day, he can go out there. He's kind of a really important guy for a team. He's not going to be in, you know, your top five rotation, but he's definitely a number six or a number seven guy. And that's very, very valuable when it comes to pitching depth because pitching injuries are going to happen. Like you're not going to be able to avoid those at all. And that's a guy that's very important. Eric Fetty, we've talked about the ups and the downs with Fetty at a lot. I still think Eric Fetty is a perfect number five starter. Um, I don't really think he'll be much more than that, which is what really sucks. Um, I think he's 28 or 29. We like pitchers are different, and a lot of guys hit that second gear as they get past 30, but he hasn't really shown that first gear yet. Um, he's gone in a couple times, but he keeps getting stuck. Um So that's been really, really unfortunate. But like you said, Josh Rogers is very surprising. Um, He has a 2-6 ERA, granted three starts, 17 innings, but like he's gone at least five in every single start. Against Miami, he went five innings, gave up one hit, one walk, struck out six, no runs the Nats lost eight to six. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's just, that's just absolutely unreal. And then against the Pirates, he went six and two thirds, gave up two against the Mets, a good team. Well, good lineup. Um, 5.2, three innings. That was his first start in a long time. Rogers is someone I think is going to watch because he does have good stuff. Um, I think he's not like the most attractive piece for when you are looking at your pitching staff. But I honestly think he has a legitimate shot to be on this team's pitching staff next year. I think he'll be more of a bullpen piece rather than a starting pitcher. But again, he can be your six or seven on a good team. You take that, even on the bad team, he could be your six and you're fine with that. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised with them. You know, he has a 1.04 whip and 17 innings rather solid um i think rogers is a very very pleasant surprise and nick you talked about how this season's about individual results and josh rogers right now is one of the biggest surprises right now and a pretty fun story to watch because i had no idea who he was until the are like hey josh rogers is starting for us and i was like <laughs> i don't
1: even know who you are <laughs> uh man yeah it's what it comes down to like it's good to see uh, but the bullpen has just been so atrocious that the end result is, is about the same, but it's not all bad. Like that's the point we're trying to make. And we're kind of just like trying to reiterate, like it's not all bad. There can be good that comes out of us and people don't really understand what embrace the tank entails. And that's what we're, again, what we're trying to explain, like embrace the tank just means one, we get a better traffic, but two, don't be so invested on wins and losses. Like look at the the silver lining, the individual performances, even if it's a negative or, a, or a, excuse me, a, a bad individual performance, it's still good reps. It's still good, important stuff. Like Finnegan, Ryan pointed out a couple of weeks ago, like he's not going to be a closer, but he's closing games. That's good experience. He blew the game. Uh, what was it? Thursday. Yes. And I mean, one run for, or he gave it four runs, blew the game. Right. But he's still getting valuable experience as a closer. And that's something he'll be able to take with him because he can treat in the seventh inning next year. if That's his role. He can treat that like the ninth inning. He kind of, you know, knows how to lock it down and to step up and, and whatnot. So these are still good reps. Uh, the lineup, which has been surprisingly decent since the deadline uh, they're kind of, not consistent this series uh like we talked about on tuesday i'm getting my days mixed up they were getting no hit but it was alcantara so it made a little bit more sense uh but there's a couple guys we wanted to highlight we're gonna play a game okay we're gonna play a game so i'm calling it backing or packing are you backing these players are you sending them packing
0: see what i did there well hold on a second before we start what talking about the bright spots in the lineup I have a stat. Okay, go for it. Um, So talking about bright spots, it's basically Juan Soto. But yep. Josh Bell, since June 1st, that is 350 plate appearances. That is a rather attractive sample size. Attractive is the word today. Um, that's a very solid sample size when you can draw conclusions about a player. So that he's hitting, in those 350 plate appearances, 278, 362, 529. He has a 134 WRC plus league average is 100. He has a 377 weighted on uh, OBA. He has 11.8 walk percentage and a 14.9 percent K percentage. The league average strikeout percentage is around 22 percent, and the walk percentage is around 10 percent. So, respect Josh Bell. He's been well above league average since June 1st, and I just saw that stat, and I wanted to throw it out there because you were talking about bright spots in the lineup. But let's play our game. Uh, but Ryan, I, I was told Josh Bell should be designated <laughs> for assignment, and that he was no better than than Matt Adams. That's that's right. I was told he should be non-tendered, and I am here to tell you that Josh Bell is good, and you should be pretty happy he's your first baseman.
1: One of the dumbest takes I have ever <laughs> seen. Just truthfully, like there's always some dumb takes. There's always the the freezing cold takes amongst Nats Twitter, but to actually publish an article saying he's no better than Matt Adams and he should be designated for assignment is unreal. Unreal. Like you just don't know ball, but we do. That's what we're going to play backing or packing. Like I said, are you going to back these players? Or are you going to send them packing? So we're going to start with one. That's kind of been a revelation for multiple reasons. One, it got John Lester out of town, but two, he's actually been pretty solid uh, former top 10 prospect within the St. Louis Cardinals organization. Obviously that is Lane Thomas. With Victor Robles up in the air, center field job seems wide open. Although Robles has been doing well in AAA, but it is AAA. Plenty of people do well in AAA and don't make it in the big leagues. Are you backing Lane Thomas? Or are you sending him
0: packing? Um, I am backing Lane Thomas. The center field job is going to be so interesting between them two. But even if he's not the starter next year, he is going to be on this roster. Um, in his last 62 ABs, he's hitting 306, 389, 581. That's pretty good. Um, So I am backing him, and I think he is going to be on this team next year.
1: Yeah, I am as well. I'm not necessarily sold that he's a solution in center field, but if he keeps playing like this, then he's certainly not a, a harm in center field either. And he can play all three outfield positions. He's really what you look for Uh, From a fourth outfielder. So if he can develop into an everyday outfielder, then obviously that's a huge win and he can play center, not to the defensive level that Victor Robles can, but he's playing a fine center field and that's fine if we can get what he's been doing at the top of the lineup and offensively. So I will back one Lane Thomas, another guy, and I know he's your favorite, Alcides Escobar, which I understand. You, (laughs) leader. I understand where he came from, what the situation was. He hadn't played in two years. This is probably just a flash in a pan. It probably won't happen again. But there is an opportunity. If Luis Garcia and Escobar kind of have this rapport and Garcia can learn from Escobar and Escobar is fine playing that mentor role, would you back him and, uh, have him fill a bench spot because it seems like we haven't had a true backup shortstop or middle infielder in some time. So would you back LCD Zaskbar or do you want the Nats to completely move on and you want to send him packing?
0: Um, I want to send him packing mainly because I am a very consistent man. I care more about my <laughs> narratives than anything else, but I would not be surprised in the bit if the Nats signed him early in the off season and just secured a backup infielder kind of like they did with um josh harrison like they announced they signed josh harrison before free agency even started someone just kind of on a cheap deal who you know will be depth can play in multiple positions i would not be very surprised about that i don't want him here like yeah. i said my narratives over your facts i don't <laughs> care you are
1: consistent <laughs> um yeah i i think it's we, we face this decision every single year. Like last year, it was Azdruble Cabrera. Before that, it was, who's another one? I guess kind of Kurt Suzuki or who are some other flash in the pan guys we've had?
0: A lot. Nats uh, are really good at yeah. getting those.
1: Yeah, which they are. But like, you also have to know when to let go, which they've been okay with. Not the great, but not the worst. Like, you really have to just know when to move on. There is a reason Alcides Escobar was in, like, double A with the Royals, who he won a World Series with. Like, it, it, <laughs> there, there was a reason for that. And this is kind of just he he's having a good stretch of baseball. But, again, there, there's a reason for it. Everyone's going to revert back to the mean at some point or another. So, as long as you replace him as far as that role, both a starting middle infielder and that – veteran leadership or that experience to kind of help these young guys out and that's what matters but i'm fine with sending him packing another guy and this one is a little bit more of a conversation because he hasn't been doing that poorly at least offensively not great defensively but he can be serviceable and should the dh come next year he isn't in that conversation but if he the dh doesn't come for whatever reason he's just complete liability in the outfield and that's yadiel hernandez are you backing Yadiel Hernandez? Or are you sending him packing?
0: Um, so his numbers over his last 30, 15, and seven games are rather abysmal, to be honest with you. Um, he's cooling down a bit offensively. He doesn't have a spot defensively. He's a 33-year-old rookie, but I am, honestly, I'm, I'm backing him. Like, we've seen in 226 ABs this year, his offense truly hasn't been that bad. Like he has a 742 OPS eight home runs. That's fine. Um, if he's the team's DH next year, that kind of tells you how bad this team's going to be, but I'm backing him. His bat has shown that he can play at a major league level. If this team is going to be more patient and it's rebuild and addressing slowly, there's no problem at all with him being a DH or even being someone that, you know, you can go to in a pinch hitter role but if Lane Thomas and Yadiel Hernandez both stay, Andrew Stevenson's time as Nat's officially over, which darn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Crazy to think he like leads the team in uh, pinch hit hits. Isn't he like I, yeah, first or he,
0: second? His numbers are like really good as a pinch hitter, which shows how bad his numbers are when he's not a pinch hitter. But yeah, um I'm I'm backing Yadiel Hernandez for next season.
1: Interesting. Uh I agree with you. If he is this team's DH, this team is not going very far. That's no disrespect to Yadiel. It's just no legitimate contender is going to have Yadiel Hernandez as a DH. Just kind of (laughs) the way it goes, unfortunately. But he's been fine. It's just he is a complete liability defensively. It pains me watching him play defense. But if he can provide serviceable offense, I think he'll be fine. So, yeah, I'll back him because we're, we're all about the process here. Trust the process, and Yadiel Hernandez is part of that. Late bloomer, he's the old guy of the bunch, but he is part of the process nonetheless. All right, let's move on to pitching. And, and this first guy, certainly not a great season, but we also don't necessarily have anyone to replace him. That's how he's consistently got opportunities. And he's had uh, stretches of... Uh, good performances, but overall the numbers still aren't that great. That's Sam Clay. We need a lefty reliever. Every ball club does. He's our only one. He sort of, sort of replaced Sean Doolittle and is performing even worse than Doolittle did in this final season with us. Uh, I assume we're not necessarily backing Sam Clay, but can we necessarily afford to send him back
0: So this season in 57 games, that's 47 innings. He has a 5.6 ERA and a 1.69 whip. In his last 15 games, he has a 7.36 ERA and a 1.9 whip. Sam Clay's not good. (laughs) Um, That's kind of just how it is. He's going to be on the team next year because he is a lefty reliever they don't really have anyone to replace him. And I think with the amount of holes his team has and the fact that I believe the Nats are going to prioritize a back-end reliever piece to sign to a multi-year deal, Sam Clay will be on the roster. So, like, I'm forcibly pa- backing him, if that makes sense. <laughs> we have no choice.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it, it's just like, what's his ERA? Like a 5-7, something like that? Yeah, it's not very good. I mean, you can... F- it's worth just taking a shot on another lefty reliever flyer that's what sam clay was this year we didn't have anyone post Doolittle, so it's like all right here's here's a chance on uh, a journeyman guy i believe it was one year one million dollars like it's not he, first of all he's a free agent you have to resign him anyways but two, it's like it's not Uh, a huge loss to move on from because at the very worst, you're going to get someone who's equally as bad as Sam clay. So I'll send him packing knowing we still need to, we're creating a hole, but the hole is kind of already there. Anyways, it's like a, it's a, a large divot right now anyways. So I'm fine creating a hole. If it means I can fix the divot, that makes sense. So next guy, another bullpen piece. Um, definitely staples uh kind of too good of a word but we've seen a lot of him he has struggled mightily this season but has typically been a go-to for Davey in this team and that's obviously Wander Suero uh he's been sent down he's been called back up he's been a ninth inning guy he's been a fifth inning guy he's been all over the place he has gotten a lot of experience uh that people might not expect I think of the current Nats he's fifth in games played in the Nats uniform behind uh, Soto, Zim. Um, I can't even remember who else would be in front of him at this point, uh, but he's up there. He, he's been with the Nats for a while. He's gotten a lot of experience and naturally as most believers do, he's had a bad season. A lot of receiver or er, receivers, um, fantasy football mode. A lot of relievers have had bad seasons and doesn't necessarily uh, predict what they're going to do for the next season or the rest of their career. They're very volatile, are you backing Wander Suero or are you sending him packing and just kind of looking elsewhere now that we got a little bit more options?
0: This is a tough one. Like his stuff is good, he just doesn't have the command or the consistency to succeed as a reliever. Looking at his numbers this year, he has a negative 1.2 WAR, he has a 6.33 ERA in 42.2 innings. Um he has 15 walks you know, his era plus is 64 league average is hundred. His whip is 1.4. His fielding independent pitching is 5.79. The last couple of years, it's been low threes, which is fine. I don't know. I'm just so torn on him. I feel like he starts the season down in AAA. Like the potential is there. I just feel like he needs to figure out just to take off a little bit more to get that extra command on his pitches and to really be able to locate better. Um, So I am sending him packing, but to triple A next year to see if he can figure this out and become more consistent.
1: It's just a mini vacation. Yeah, exactly. Not not necessarily out of town, but it's out of town to Rochester. Next guy, uh, another one we've talked about plenty, and he really had a shot this year to prove that he was a guy, to prove that he was a part of the plans going forward. Even post-deadline, he was – uh, you know, someone who had all the opportunities in the world to say, you know, hey, we might not be as good. We have holes to fill, but at least I can fill one of them certainly has not done that. And that's Eric Fetty. Uh, the starting rotation has plenty of question marks. Once obviously our strength now has more questions than arguably our lineup does. Uh, Eric Fetty probably ceiling is a four or five guy, but. Right now, what we're getting isn't even a five guy. Like it's, it's, it's tough to watch. Do you back Eric Fetty due to the state of the Nats and, and the starting rotation with injuries and poor performances and no real staples? Or are you sending him packing because we've seen enough?
0: Uh, Eric Fetty like he's not that good. <laughs> um, His numbers this year are 7'9", 5.16 ERA, and 122 innings, which is a career high. His previous career high was 78. He doesn't have any more minor league options, so I think he's going to be on the team next year as the number five starter. Um, Even if they add someone, I think he's going to be there as the five starter just because they don't have any more options. I don't really know if they want to lose a 28 or 29-year-old pitcher, even though he has tons of question marks. So I think he is going to be the number five. It's kind of like with Sam Clay, like I'm being forced to back him because he has no <laughs> options. Don't so you he- love this? <laughs> <laughs> like, as annoying and frustrating as Eric Fetty can be, because he'll like look great for four innings and then inning five, he gives up, you know, five, five runs. I think he's going to be in the rotation, even though I think his future, his best is a five, probably a reliever. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be in the rotation next year as our number five.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It's, there's just too many holes to fix or all in one offseason. We've talked about that. And now with the rotation being the way it is, like you kind of have to count on the people you have um, to be decent or serviceable enough while you fix other areas. Um, but the way this team is shaping up uh, it, everyone or there's going to be plenty of uh, um, people that could be potential liabilities and Eric Fetty is one of them, but it's also a guy we kind of need to be serviceable if we have any hope for next year. And knowing this front office, they're going to try to turn the ship around as quickly as possible. So I guess I'll back him, but not necessarily <laughs> loving it, especially with Joe Ross out. Like it was Joe Ross, Austin Voth, or Eric Fetty both uh, who actually had a good series, uh, two scoreless innings, three strikeouts, no walks. Um, he seems to be a bullpen guy exclusively. Now they haven't even tinkered with the idea of moving him back to the rotation. They're starting guys off the street, like Sean Nolan, Josh Rogers, and they seem content with leaving both in a bullpen role which he's been okay at this year. Um, so that takes him out of the equation. And obviously with Joe Ross, another uh, UCL injury, he's out of the equation. So it really is just Fetty now. So we are literally being forced to back him. Last guy uh, I want to ask about. You've said it yourself. Any team, would love a, <laughs> any team would love to have a guy like this. But there's a reason he you know was a journeyman minor leaguer for 10 years or how long it's been. Great story but doesn't necessarily equate prolonged success. Uh, how long can they go back to the well on this? Are you expecting or are you uh, backing King Paolo to return next year? Or are you sending him packing and just
0: appreciative of what he was able to do this year? So Nick, let me ask you this. Ask me anything. AMA. If if a starting pitcher the entire season goes six innings and gives up three earned runs in every single start, what's his ERA? Four five, Exactly, right? Those yep. are all quality starts. League average ERA this year is like 4.35. My boy King Palo has a 4.1 ERA in 97 innings pitches. So uh, he is
1: quality pitch. is what you're saying.
0: <laughs> he is quality. He is good for five or six innings. I am backing him only as depth. Right. I want to. I want to reiterate that <laughs> if we're going into the season and he is like the team's number four and number five starter, it's going to be a bad year. Um, he's perfect depth. Like put him in the bullpen, let him be a long inning guy, emergency starter. I am backing him. I truly think he is perfect depth for a team. Um, he's got MLB experience again. A hundred innings this year. Career career MLB stats. He has a career hundred thirty MLB pitch uh, innings the guy's the goat um i am backing him as depth so you said it's bad news if he's our four or five well, what if he's our like number two all right well you know what? Sh- <laughs> we're not embracing the tank they are like they married the tank if he's the number two <laughs> we are whipped by the tank <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i'll back him uh like you said a four or five is sort of the standard, like you said, it, it's the um, premises for a quality start or the, the qualifications for a quality start or whatever. Uh, and he's been doing that, too. It's not just like he's going three innings, giving up one run, and somehow that qualifies because it's technically a three ERA. Like, he's going deep into games consistently, four to six innings every single time. He hasn't really had those short blow-up starts like someone like Patrick Corbin has had plenty of, someone like John Lester had plenty of, Espino's consistently been going, not seven, eight like a, a Max Scherzer did, but he's been going four to six, and that can really spare a bullpen. And we know how bad our bullpen is. You you talked about it, and it is just laughable how bad it is. So any opportunity we get to have them pitch less is a good thing. Espino seems to serve that role. I'll back him. He's King Paulo after all. Like how can you how can you not? That's my boy. Uh, that, that's apparently your boy now. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of your boys, you have to take care of the boys. Down there, yes, we're talking about manscaped. Uh, autumn is in the air, sort of kind of. I mean, it might be false autumn three as like Ryan likes to say, but it, it, we're getting there. It's approaching. The pumpkins will be in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming. (laughs) See what they did there? If you know what I'm saying, make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and the brand-new fourth-generation performance package. Boys, get ready for a cuffing season like no other. Are you ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped? Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped. By going to manscape.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code HSHH20, you can get 20% off the performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which is their uh, ear, nose, hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver, which is their ball deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner. Very nice, by the way. They'll throw in performance boxer briefs, which are super, super comfy, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Not those goodies, the goodies for your goodies. Uh, they throw in those free things. You get the four main pillars of the performance package as well, all for 20% off and free shipping using our code HSHH20. Absolutely no reason not to do it. You will not regret it. Just because it's fall, you're going you're gonna to be bundling up a little bit more. Won't be as hot. Doesn't mean you should stop taking care of yourself. Please go to Manscaped. Use our promo code and help us help you help us. All right, it is time for our draft. This draft, we are doing something we've never done before. Well, we've kind of done bits and pieces, but basically we're trying to build the perfect position player. What that means is as you guys, I'm sure you guys know, there's five tools for for any player: there's contact or hit for contact, hit hit for power, defense, speed, and arm strength. So basically, what we're going to be doing is drafting traits from players. So for instance, I'm sure this will be taken so it's not really a spoiler if someone wants to draft Trey Turner's speed and you know someone else's power like that's what we're going to try to do we're going to mix and match and try to put together our perfect position player but naturally it's a draft because it wouldn't be fun otherwise (laughs) so we are doing that I have randomized the list the order is Amanda with first pick I wonder who she's going to pick um Ryan second pick and then myself third pick snake draft style as always um and if a a certain player so i use trey turner as an example if someone wants to take Trey Turner's speed but then someone else wants to take trey turner's defense or arm or whatever they're allowed to do that you can take multiple traits from the same player if you so desire but it is not required everyone ready i think so all right amanda start us off
2: so this is actually tough to figure out which trait to draft first, because, you know, mm-hmm. which which one's the most important. It's kind of hard to say. They're all important. Um, I am going to start, however, with defense, because I feel like for power and contact, there's a lot of good choices. But for defense, for me, it is Mookie. Um, you just there's just WebGen after Web gen. You can't say enough about what that guy does defensively he's got lots of other great traits too, but he is my number one pick De- Mookie Betts's defense.
1: It's a good pick. Uh, I mean, he can also play second base, which right. is kind of a shock. Like
2: versatility wasn't one of the five though. So we're-
1: <laughs> well, but that, that applies to defense. Yeah, like, if, sure you, if you wanted to pick, you know, Chris Taylor, because he plays seven different positions. I mean, yeah. that, that that's, that's certainly a strategy you could, you could go with. I think versatility applies to defense. Certainly.
3: Absolutely. Like, if you want to
1: try to build an outfielder, I mean, someone who can play all three outfield positions as opposed to just the corner outfielder is valuable. But Mookie Betts, yeah, I think that's a fine number one pick.
0: Ryan, on to you. My first pick. That was a great pick, Amanda. Um, so, with my first pick, I'm going to go with the contact trait. And I am going with Mike Trout for best contact. Mm-hmm. He has more seasons in his career where he's hitting above 310 and he's hitting below 300 um in 162 game seasons he's averaging over 160 hits he has more seasons with hitting having over 170 hits than he does below mike trout's mike trout um the worst season of his career he hit 281 so i mean i feel like i don't really need to explain that one so yeah mike trout i am grabbing with my first pick for contact trait Love it. another good one uh man
1: I wanted to go contact as well, but now that you've gone, I'm trying to decide if I want to go contact still or something else. I mean, I have two picks. I can go something else as well. Um, I'm going to hold off on contact for right now. Uh, I'm going to go power uh, just because I get my number one pick and uh, you guys haven't gone that yet. Uh, And we talked about this before we started recording, This is when obviously all players are healthy, um, if you want to say in their prime, whatever. This is when they're at the top of their game, when the trait is used to the best of its ability. And when we're talking power, there's no one stronger than Giancarlo Stanton. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely taking Giancarlo Stanton. Um, Second pick, man, this is tough.
2: Can I go contact this time?
1: I feel like I want to but I'm going to hold off for right now just because I, th- I think I'm going to follow my, my uh, strategy of just getting my number one pick. And I am going to pick Trey Turner speed
2: mm.
1: uh, because I think I can't really go wrong there. There's definitely fast guys in, in baseball. And if you want to dive down a little bit deeper to the guys who are only fast, there's plenty of good options, but Trey Turner speed and, Part of the speed is base running. Trey Turner is a great base runner. So uh, I'm going to go power and speed and I'm set up pretty well.
2: Like it.
0: Yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of thinking around, um, which way i want to go i'm like do i want to go power or just this is or tough just power?
2: <laughs> it is it's harder and than like, it seems
0: all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with my guy because i know i can still get who i want to take on my third pick so i'm going power and i'm going the absolute dump truck wagon vlad jr yeah um i almost went with tatis for that but vlad jr is just having a stupid year he's putting up tanks in toronto which isn't the most hitter friendly park Um, yeah, so I'm going with my boy who leads baseball and slugging with a 611 slugging stupid. And yeah, I'm going to Vlad jr. For slugging.
2: I like it. It is a good pick. Um, I think I'm gonna go for contact next because they're all important. But for me, if like if I had to pick if I were a GM and I were picking a player, I would go for somebody with great contact over a straight up slugger. So just to get my top guy in this cat, well, Trout's my top guy, but he's everybody's top guy. Um, I'm going to go with Soto. Who's just not all, he just makes great contact all the time. And I feel like he's got great plate discipline. He obviously takes a ton of walks because they're not really pitching to him right now, but I do feel like he is a guy who just is such a smart hitter. He knows how to put the ball in play. So he is my contact guy. Soto's contact.
1: Yeah, I was debating that. That was who I was considering with contact uh, because part of contact is you're kind of judge of the strike zone. And obviously we all know Juan Soto is heralded for his strike zone command. I mean, mm-hmm. he know, he knows better than most umpires uh, what's strike and what's not. So I, I don't think that's a-, a pandering pick. I think that's actually a good pick.
2: All right. So what's next? Um, Trey was obviously my pick for speed. Um, if you're going to go for speed, he is literally the fastest person in baseball. Um, I guess if we're going straight speed, not necessarily base running, I'm going to go Tim LaCastro, who I believe the last time I looked, and this was not today, um, I was preparing for this draft on the fly and I did not uh, look up their exact speeds, but I believe he was listed as the second fastest the last time I had seen it behind I, Trey Turner.
1: I know he's one of the fastest. I don't, Yeah, I don't have those numbers either, but yeah. Uh, he, he's kind of yeah. one of the guys I was talking about. Like if you want to just take someone's speed, there's plenty of guys.
2: Yeah. Take. It's just like a 10th of a second or two slower than Trey Turner. Now I would take Trey Turner's base running over his obviously, but the trade is speed. So I'm going to go with that. Um, I'll go with Castro.
1: So uh, just quick Google search. LaCastro has a 30.7 feet per second. Okay. Um, and I, I know there was a clip of Trey Turner. I think he got 30.6. So basically they're, within spitting distance of each there
2: other. There you go. All right. I'll take it.
0: Yep. Yeah. All right, Ryan, back to you. Um, so I am gonna go with arm. Um, that's one of them, right? that's yep. like okay. yep. so I saw, i'm like okay yep. i was like I, I wrote that down i just want to double check um and i'm going with someone who has been the best arm in baseball this year and that is hunter renfro he has he's is top- so random by the way it is know, so right? random the guy yeah. is a freaking cannon um he is one of the best arms in the league he has 16 outfield assists which is one of the best um he also is ranking in the top five in arm strength according to fan graphs. And he also has the average hardest balls thrown in from the outfield. The guy has a freaking cannon. And I'm going to nab my guy with Hunter Renfro for arm strength.
2: Love
1: it. Yep. Good pick. Um, so since you both have contact done, I'm going to wait on that. Um, and so that leaves me with defense and arm. Man, arm. Is I don't want to say it's like subjective, but it, it's tough. Um, well, let me go defense first since I have that. Um, defense, I'm kind of I was gonna go Mookie Betts, but obviously that, that was the first pick, so I'm gonna go with the, the next guy on my list. Uh, no shocker here, he's a uh, gold glove in like every season he's played. I'm pretty sure he's won a platinum glove before. Um, you know, he's kind of dropped since he left Colorado, but still one of the best defenders in the game and probably in history. And that's Nolan Arenado. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I mean, he's only ever played third, but I'm sure he has the flexibility to play anywhere. So definitely going Nolan Arenado plus with Trey's speed, like he he can cover as much ground as possible. So, I mean, I'm set up pretty nicely there. And then arm, I don't know how I feel about this, but he does have the best arm. Uh, I'll do it. All right. I'm going to go Ramon Laureano for arm. It's, yeah, he got busted for PEDs, but his arm strength is just absurd. Uh, there was a play last year where he's going back on a ball in center field and as at the warning track in Oakland, in the Coliseum, and throws a guy out at first. Like it's just his arm strength is second to none. I can't really provide um, like this season stats because obviously he's been suspended, but his arm is probably the strongest in baseball. So if I have that Nolan Arenado's defense, Trey Turner's speed, like nobody, he can play outfield by himself and my guy. So that that's where I'm going. No.
2: What do I have left here? I've got. Well, power. it's Ryan's pick. Oh, it's about
0: what's right. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Relax. Jeez. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> I forgot. So
0: I have speed and defense left. But since Amanda Ray went defense, I am not going to go defense. I'm going to go speed. And I'm going with Shohei Otani. He's mm-hmm. just around 29 feet per second with speed. Um, coaches and scouts voted him the fastest base runner in the American lead. So I'm going to snag Shohei Otani for my speed trait. People forget how fast he is. He is a freak.
2: (laughs) He is a freak. He's good at everything. Seriously. I think actually he's on my list for power. I have power and arm left to go here. Um, I think, why not? I'm going to go Otani for power. Um, I mean, he's leading the league in home runs. Obviously, he does everything. Well, not
1: anymore. Well, I
2: was Salvador for,
0: Perez? I'd say Salvador Perez yeah. came out nowhere in Salvador. out league. of
2: nowhere. But Otani's <laughs> just been doing it all season. You know, he's not currently in the lead, but um, he's obviously got a ton of power. And uh, yeah, I love Otani, and I want him on my list somewhere. So
1: I mean, I fully expect you to go Kyle Schwarber. So
2: <laughs> I didn't even think about Schwarber actually, just because of the lack of. Uh, consistency. I'd like to Not like he hasn't done it in the past. I just feel like, you know, he's, I don't know. He didn't even, he didn't even cross my mind. He wasn't on my list this time. Um, arm strength is my last one. Uh, I haven't looked at the stats on exactly who's, you know, got the most outfield assists and all of that this year, but I think hmm, I'll just take Harper. I've always loved Harper's arm. I think he's, you know, Yeah,
0: that's, that's a good pick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just without
2: looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly i just feel like well they probably will because it's
1: bryce harper but
2: right and yeah he went from being the most loved to the most hated man in dc somehow but right um yeah i think he's always been he's always been great at, at gun and runners down and i when he played here one of my absolute favorite things to watch was an outfield assist from bryce harper so i'll take his arm strength so i think that's all for me right i've got everybody yep
1: that's it so uh ryan in true ryan fashion is going defense last
0: so Ryan want to round out your your player absolutely there are two people who are above the league when it comes to defense um Nick took one of them at Nolan Arenado I am going Matt Chapman for my (laughs) defense pick he's a two-time gold glove winner two-time platinum glove winner he also won the Wilson award for best overall defender in baseball he's Okay, offensively, but he is an absolute freak defensively. He might statistically be better than Nolan Arenado, which is saying something because Nolan Arenado is also a freak defensively. So my last pick, closing out, is Matt Chapman for the defensive trait. It's
2: a good pick. It is
1: a very good pick. All right, so what I have left is contact, which is ironic because I almost went contact first. Uh, uh, there's a couple of guys like I was considering – And just the nature of this draft, people are only going to read names. They're not going to think they're not even going to consider traits Mm -mm. They're They're only going to consider names, but uh, I'm trying to build the best contact or or trying to get the best contact hitter. Um, And there's one guy who's kind of been uh, eye-popping. Well, I'll I'll say some honorable mentions. I considered Michael Brantley. I mean, Anthony Rendon, Juan Soto, I was considering before he got taken. Uh, Tommy LaStella, who uh, I was trying to recruit to the Nats all off season. Yeah. He's up there too, but there's one guy who literally just only makes contact, doesn't have a lot of power. And that's David Fletcher. Uh, he was like a, a K rate below 10 contact rate above 90%. Like it's just absurd how much contact he makes. He, he got like a six year contact contract extension just because he makes so much contact. Uh, I almost went DJ LeMahieu too, but I think because of the down year, he's having that will kind of like sway voters. So I'm going to go David Fletcher, even though a lot of people probably don't even know who David Fletcher is, but yeah, I was going to say, you
2: probably just lost yourself this draft competition. Cause nobody will know who that is, but it's a good, it's a neat pick. I like well, the going I'm, deep on it.
1: I'm staying true to myself. I dig it. So, all right. To recap everyone's picks, Amanda has Mookie Betts defense. Juan Soto's contact. Tim LoCastro's speed, Shohei Ohtani's power, and Bryce Harper's
2: arm. That's a good one.
1: Ryan has Mike Trout's contact, uh, Vlad Jr.'s power. Jesus. Um, (laughs) Can you imagine? Yeah, Hunter Renfro's arm, Shohei Ohtani's speed, and Matt Chapman's defense. And I have Giancarlo Stanton's power, Trey Turner's speed, Nolan Arenado's defense, Ramon Laureano's arm, and David Fletcher's contact. So that'll, uh, those graphics will be posted, I don't know, probably sometime today or tomorrow. And obviously, you guys can vote because what's a draft if we don't vote on who wins? So be on the lookout for that. But that pretty much does it for today's episode. So we are going to wrap, as we always do, with our one big thing. you guys got anything before we go? Win
2: we from the Washington football team last night. It was ugly, but they did it. I'll take it.
1: I mean, a big thing. <laughs> pretty 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 standard of you to, to pick a non-baseball thing so exactly so you're yes. being true to
2: yourself i'm staying too. true to myself as well exactly
0: yeah. Ryan, you got anything <laughs> um same thing as always keep enjoying september baseball the mvp race in the national league is interesting the both wildcard races are fascinating no one wants in the national league no one wants to lose in the american league it's just fun um just keep enjoying it it's a great time for baseball right now
1: Um, Yeah, my one big thing was uh, I was going to bring up Salvador Perez. We kind of brought him up uh, just naturally anyways, but he he just came out of nowhere with the season he's having. He's always been uh, kind of known for his defense and his uh, game calling and his rapport with pitchers more than his offense. Not that he's ever been a schlub offensively, but certainly not to the level we're seeing now. He's tied for the league lead in home runs. 110 RBIs on a terrible Royals team and that just tells you something because RBIs are a team stat mm-hmm. and the fact that he has 110 RBIs I don't have his batting average with runners and scoring position in front of me but clearly he's taking the most of uh, any opportunity he does get again because the, the Royals team is not very good so Salvador Perez is uh, the one thing keeping them from pure embarrassment but uh, he he deserves some recognition. He's not going to be an MVP candidate or anything like that. But he is having an all time season for catcher. I believe he tied. Uh, was it Johnny Bench for the most home runs in a season all time by a catcher? Right now, so he's one away from that record. So that that's something we might not see again uh, for at least for a while. Obviously, we, we've talked about plenty on the show when catcher or catchers aren't uh, a necessity to have a an offensively gifted catcher you kind of take what you get if they play good defense and salvador perez is kind of the exception because he plays great defense but he's also phenomenal offensively this year so just wanted to shine some recognition on him but uh it was pretty fun the Athletics said as he's having the best season ever and everyone just ruined them i don't know if you guys saw that because as great as salvador Perez has been he is <laughs> not better than like Joe Mauer's MVP season or a couple others throughout the rest and of that. He's that was being fine.
2: outshined by some of the other performances around the league this year. It's just, there's so many, the, there's, unbelievable yeah. things happening in baseball right now. Like the Nats suck and that's hard to take as a Nats fan, but if you're just a baseball fan, I mean, there's so much awesome stuff to be paying attention to and watching right now.
1: Right, and that's kind of the the reason we've been promoting the show in our site the way we have over the past month or so is because even though we're not all that exciting to watch, I mean the Nats just love dropping two of three in these series. <laughs> um, like, the, there's so much going on around baseball, that you can still be invested in. It's like you're doing yourself a disservice if you're just living and dying with what the Nats do. Like. Because you you're just dying. Other stuff. <laughs> <You're>
2: well, yeah, <laughs> you're right now you are dying. You're just right, dying.
1: Right. <laughs> so yeah, there's a ton of like individual performances that need to be recognized, like Amanda just said, Shohei, Vladdy, Salvador Perez is another one. I mean, there there's plenty. So people need to uh, get caught up, especially with the playoffs right around the corner. But indeed. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the draft results on Twitter. Vote for who you think has the best player. Um, be sure to check out the site, like I mentioned, at halfstreethighheat.com. Articles coming out every single day. Uh, we're even doing like two or three a day at this point. We are pumping out articles on a hot streak. So definitely keep an eye out on that. If you're uh, craving some baseball content, you can also follow us on Twitter, follow the main show or uh, the show account at half street high heat Ryan at we are all shack Amanda at a white Seven Eight Seven Seven, and myself at nationals ace thank you for listening and until next time let's go Nats there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac a new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents the nationals are smashing balls so that's the commentator who has the cause this past the wall to see you later By the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are in bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to
3: look Cause we're putting curly W's and F book